BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're Ben Jarofsky show. Yes. <laughs> it's just moments away. But before we get into that, we need to thank the following unions for jumping on board and sponsoring this program. Unions like the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local 9. They sponsor this program. The International Association of Machinists and Aerospace, not Aerosmith Workers, Local 126 and District 8 are sponsors, as well as the International Union of Operating Engineers, Local 150. Thank you to those unions for jumping on board, sponsoring this show. And, of course, today's Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you by our dear friends, dear friends, at the Chicago Federation of Labor. Ben, let's hear that song of the day. Tighten up. Tighten up. What? Archibald and Durrell's from Houston, Texas. We got a new song called the Tighten Up. 1968 D, long before you or Miles were born. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. And now your host, lover of bagels, Chicago Raider columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this When You're Right, You're Right. And You're Right. Friday, and here's why. That's correct. By the way, where's that quote from? Do you know? When you're right, you're right. Chinatown. I know it's Jack Nicholson. Yeah, Nicholson. Curly, when you're right, you're right. Now quit, leave the Levelier blinds alone. Anyway, long story at the beginning of Chinatown. <sighs> All right, folks, I'm going to have to acknowledge a couple things. One is harder than the other. One is actually easy to acknowledge. Uh, Facebook, a friend of mine, Babs, uh, his comment on Facebook that he left me, it's easy to acknowledge he's right because he's right. He's really right. We'll get to that first. First one's a little harder. Never thought I would say this. Um, I agree with a planning department chief. (laughs) Yes. Never thought I'd hear these words come out of my mouth. In this very studio, was it yesterday? Uh, Maurice Cox, the new planning chief for the city of Chicago, yes. was in the studio. Yeah, Franz Spielman's show. Franz Spielman's show, and uh, Franz Spielman and David Roeder uh, were grilling him, and they got into a discussion of big plans. Now, let me just say this as a way of introduction. More often than not, I have been on the opposite side of virtually every development proposal that a planning chief in the city of Chicago has come with down with since the year Mayor Daley was first up. Uh, Elected, and that would be Baby Daily, Daily Two. So we're talking 1989. Can't help it, folks. They like to take your property tax dollars and spend it underwriting deals that probably don't need your property tax dollars in the first place. Thus, enriching, enriching their friends, their cronies, their pals, and raising everybody else's taxes. Oh, so, bastards. Yeah, that's kind of how things have gone, folks, for the last 30 years. You call it progress and economic development. Both newspapers are in favor, and I'm the one guy in the city of Chicago. No, don't do it. Anyway, uh, yesterday uh, in this studio, as I said, Maurice Cox, I have not had an opportunity to listen to the interview, but today's bright one, home delivered as always, uh, has a story uh, sort of summarizing uh, what Maurice Cox said, and he closes by saying this. He was asked uh, uh, whether he um, was in favor of big projects like the one central project that would call calls for decking over railroad tracks west of Soldier Field to make way for a wall of high rises built on Transportation Center. Oh my God, I've been I remember railing and railing about that one, D. Uh, and about the visionary plan to put a cap over the Kennedy Expressway to create more parkland. 
Cox called both proposals big audacious projects that are easier, more that are easier proposed than done. Quote, you start talking about billion dollar tiffs. Could you imagine what we could do with a billion dollars in the South Side just doing 100 little projects? I'm interested in unleashing hundreds of little development projects that incrementally build those neighborhoods one lot at a time. Our first obligation is to stop the exodus out of Chicago because Chicago needs a strong black middle class. That means we have to pay attention to the neighborhoods where they live. If we tackle this in a comprehensive way instead of a scattershot way, we can stop the bleeding. I hear, hear, heartily agree. I can't believe this. This sounds like a column I wrote. I mean, I should probably shouldn't say this because knowing the city of Chicago, he's getting called in an office right now by someone. Uh, uh, Mr. Cox, you're uh, a little too radical. You're a little too lefty. Uh, sign on to these big projects because that's how things go in Chicago. But that's what I've been saying for years, folks. Instead of throwing all our TIF dollars, all our property tax dollars to underwrite developments in already developing neighborhoods, why don't we use them to bolster the neighborhoods that really need a help? You know, and just uh, to hear a planning chief say he's concerned about the exodus of black people from the city of Chicago, I've always... I believe that the city of Chicago sort of like in their own way welcomed the exodus of black people from the city of Chicago. They certainly didn't do anything while it was happening throughout the 90s and the O's. They talked about gentrification as a great thing. And, you know, Alden Lowry was the guy who kind of blew the whistle on this. The great demographer Alden Lowry came on the show. Which, where is Alden? We just got to bring him back, D. Get working on that. Oh, wait. All right, here I go. <laughs> you Alden don't book guests. I book at gmail.com. I remember interviewing Alden Lowry about this a long time ago, and I was asking him about the exodus of black people from Chicago. And uh, I go, this is a serious concern. Why hasn't the city done anything about it? And I'm paraphrasing Alden's response, which was absolutely brilliant. He goes, well, Ben, uh, not apparently the people that run the city of Chicago don't see it as a problem. Anyway, I'm hoping that Maurice Cox uh, has some influence, that this is just not idle chatter, that uh, after I say all these things, and I may even write a column about it, they don't call him into the office and tell him to be quiet, stop talking like Ben. But uh, it's a good start. I've never heard a planning commissioner talk this way. Maybe they really will blow up that godforsaken TIF program. All right, now back to Babs. I got to give him credit. Uh, he writes on my Facebook wall uh, from time to time with little messages. Bab is an avid Ben Jarofsky show listener. He always weighs in on the Ben Jarofsky show Facebook. Page. Yeah. And I would say generally he is of the leftist persuasion. Oh, yeah. Uh, and uh, but he he really hits it on the head here in this uh, comment. I get very frustrated. We talked about this a couple times uh, this week about the debates where the um, the commentators or the questioners ask Bernie Sanders, well, how can you afford it? How can you afford your health care plan? It's going to cost billions and billions. It's just like Chicago. I always say this, you know, in the city of Chicago, when they uh, want to spend money on nurses, well, we don't have any money. That's outrageous proposal. We can't afford that. But then, of course, when they want to throw money at Amazon, hey, the sky's the limit. So it's the same thing uh, with Bernie. Bernie says, hey, I got a program that would benefit everybody in this country, health care for all. And the, the questioners are like, oh, my God, be, be real, Bernie. How can we possibly afford that? Meanwhile, what is it, D? $738 billion with a B a year in our defense spending? Oh, nobody ever asks about that, right? How many billions of dollars in tax cuts did uh, the Republicans and Donnie Trump pass in 2017? But uh, no. So, but when, when... Yes, that's billion with a B. Thank you, uh, Mayor Lightfoot. So anyway, but Bab points out... Uh, I uh, I could tell you how Bernie should have been re re reframing the health insurance 
uh, debate for four years. You have to reject the insurance industry's language because it's a three-card Monty. What's a premium? What's a deductible? How much do I pay a year? What affects what, what affects what I pay a year? After 50 years of debates, people's eyes gloss over when they start hearing ins- insurance uh, industry verbiage, and they're easily led to believe the smooth corporate finance guy has their best interest in mind. But from the dawn of civilization, there is one word that resonates with mankind, taxes. Bernie has to explain why uh, everything in terms of taxes. America, pay no attention to the labels intended to deceive you. A premium is a health care tax. Americans pay 5000 to 20000 a year in health care taxes. And as he points out, it's the same thing with uh, college education, etc. Absolutely. If you view the amount of money you pay for a necessity like health care as a tax, you may have a different attitude about it. You know, everybody think they act as though sort of uh, inserted in the logic of the questions that are being framed, asked of uh, Bernie Sanders is like that. The current health care is cost no money. It's free. Like they're just getting it for free. Well, it's going to cost money. How can we afford that? Well, we're all paying, already paying billions and billions of dollars for health care. comes out of our uh, inc- our salaries, out of our paychecks. CNN is very concerned about the amount of taxes people have to pay. Not so much concerned about the money they're already paying in premiums uh, and uh, for health care. So excellent point by Babs. I have to concede. Wish I had thought of it first, but... Can't think everything, right, D? Yeah, I know. All right. Life's hard. All right. It's easier to agree with Babs and other my uh, left of center uh, friends than it is to agree with the planning uh, commissioner. But I have to say one more time. I got to say it, D. Maurice Cox was right. Stop throwing away money in those big TIFF ticket items and start spending in the neighborhoods where it was tended. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment, weekly concert listings, weekly event listings, the environment, travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader, free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicago. The young man from Alton. Oh, yeah. Back home, they call him Dr. Doobie. With the news. Before we talk about what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, about that Chicago City Council meeting on Wednesday. More details from the meeting have emerged since we last left you. It was a long meeting, nearly four hours this council meeting lasted, and you never know what to expect when it comes to these things. And the following from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woe Man Spielman really highlights that point. Mary Lori Lightfoot admonished a handful of African-American aldermen during Wednesday's city council meeting for, quote, demonizing the gay community and said that, quote, the pie is big enough to slice in lots of other ways. For those who finally decided to crawl out from that rock they've been living under for the last year, Lori Lightfoot is Chicago's first openly gay mayor. So yeah, she's going to have a problem when you, quote, demonize the gay community. The mayor was disturbed by the tone of committee debate Tuesday on her resolution to launch a study that could lay groundwork for creating contract set aside for gay and transgender owned businesses in Chicago. African-American alderman led by Black Caucus Chairman Jason Irvin, Ben of which ward? 28th. Oh, God, you're a dork. <laughs> and Alderman Walter Burnett, Ben? 27th. <laughs> 
<laughs> they voiced concern earmarking contracts for gay business owners could pave the way for, quote, privileged white men to game the system again at the expense of African-Americans. They stated that there was no apparent way to prove a person's sexuality and therefore that a set aside for gay business owners would be ripe for corruption. Then they used an Adam Sandler situational comedy film as an example of what they're talking about. A little off-putting. And the mayor was having none of it by the end of Tuesday's discussion. Then on Wednesday, the study came up again, and the concern followed soon after. Alderman David Moore. Ben, what ward? David Moore. Uh, you just uh, 17. Alderman David Moore demanded the you role. You caught me off guard with that one. I didn't see David Moore coming. What high school did he go to? I'm not as big as a dork as you. Alderman David Simeon. Moore. Oh, good Lord. <laughs> what high school did Walter Burnett Please go stop. to? Please stop. Alderman David Wells. Moore of the 17th Ward demanded the roll call on the study at the city council meeting. So they did that and the study passed 47 to 1. David Moore was the only one who voted no. Lightfoot, once again having none of it, took to the microphone and shared her thoughts with the alderman who spoke up and opposed the study, saying, quote, it's not the questions that are the problem. It is the content of the question and the offensive nature of the tone and the questions and the concerns that were expressed. As a black gay woman proud on all fronts, I have to say I'm disturbed by the nature of the committee discussion and the nature of the discussion here today. We need not ask anyone's indulgence, patience, or forgiveness, or acceptance to be who we are and who we love. My friends, the pie is big enough to slice it in lots of other ways. We need not victimize, demonize, and discriminate through our words against anyone else because we are worried about what the size of the pie is going to be for me. And if you needed any more evidence as to where a majority of our aldermen stood on this, I mean, besides a 47-1 to vote, <laughs> after her speech, Lightfoot received a standing ovation from the city council. All right, now I know that our listening audience has been dying to hear a straight white guy's take on LGBT and black issues. Well, the wait is over. Ben Jarofsky, let's hear your thoughts here. Seriously, though, you've been covering politics in the city for over three decades. Good Lord, you're old. But you do have a keen knowledge as to what goes on behind the scenes in this very shady city we live in. Your thoughts, please. Well, first of all, four decades. Even older than you thought. I know. Good God. He's trying to help you out, dude. Um, I really just came around in the 90s, dude. Well, as I said yesterday, D, I am all over the map on this one. Uh, on one hand, I do think the uh, much of the discourse, what was it, on Tuesday, was offensive. Uh, they kept making jokes based on a really bad, and I love Adam Sandler as much as the next one, but this movie was, what was it called, the, the with um, Kevin James? I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Yeah, all right, so they were making Chuck and Larry jokes, and uh, so it was pretty offensive. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's kind of like locker room here, uh, humor. That said... I understand the concern of uh, the uh, black alderman in Chicago City Council. Uh, this has been the issue of dividing the pie so that black people get a, a fair slice, to use Lori Lightfoot's metaphor, uh, has been on the table in the city of Chicago going back to even before I started covering politics in this town, D, when I was just reading about it back in the 70s, 10 years before you were born. And uh, this was an issue in the city of Chicago. We finally made some progress in, when Harold Washington uh, was uh, elected mayor of the city of Chicago. I remember this. We have a municipal bond industry in the city. The people who write the bonds, uh, do underwrite the bonds when the city goes to borrow money, uh, as it's been explained to me by people in the know, it's not exactly the hardest 
practice in the world that any competent, uh, thoughtful lawyer could do it with, with, with proper training. But for years and years, it was just white guys who got in on the business. When Harold Washington became mayor, he said, no, I want some black attorneys to get a piece of this pie. And lo and behold, all of a sudden they did. All right. Then Harold Washington uh, dies. Mayor Daley uh, takes over and suddenly the city doesn't really care about using its resources to, uh, to help black people as much. So uh, it's I share their concern. And every year, it seems as though when the city uh, totals up the amount of contracts that have been divvied, to, uh, divvied out to uh, black-owned firms, it's less than it should be. It's less than they promise. It's less than their goals. And so whoever's in charge of procurement for the city of Chicago will say, we're going to do better next year. And then next year rolls around, and they don't do better next year. So I understand their concerns. Uh, so their, I think their rhetoric was off. I think their tone was off. Uh, I think they made their, they undercut the legitimacy of the uh, argu- of, of the argument they were raising. But I do think that there's some legitimate concern, and I am always very uh, concerned about how the pie is divided. The pie has always been unfairly divided in my my opinion. That's one of my main gripes about the TIF program, which is money that's supposed to go to the poorest black wards in the city, the poorest Hispanic wards in the city, low-income wards that are struggling for economic development. Somehow or other, it goes to the richest wards. So the city, when it comes to its track record of divvying up the pie, is not that fair to the people who could really use a slice. So I just wouldn't be so what I wouldn't if I were the leader of the city of Chicago, if I were the mayor of the city of Chicago, I would just not be so easy just to dismiss the concerns of people who feel that the pie has been unfairly uh, divvied up over the last uh what, 40 years, 50 years, even before I was covering politics in Chicago. So I'm interested to see what this report's going to come up with. Can they do this uh, program fairly? We'll see. So you're saying good point, but poor presentation. Yes, horrible presentation, offensive presentation. Okay. Lori Life, it was absolutely correct to chastise them for the presentation. But I wouldn't be so quick to dismiss uh, the concerns. All right. Aside from the LGBT study, there was other business tended to. Yesterday, we mentioned that the mayor, along with the city's aldermen, are looking to ban styrofoam in city restaurants by the year 2021. Here, here. The uh, aldermen also, quote, tweaked cannabis zoning, helped the city acquire a handful of vacant properties near the under construction Obama Presidential Center, and passed an anti gentrification measure targeting Humboldt Park and Logan Square. Yeah, and we'll be talking about that anti gentrification measure uh, if uh, today, with uh, PC Peter Cunningham, probably tomorrow with uh, David Gold. Let's take the deep dive uh, on that one. Can, it, are there things the city can do to prevent gentrification in neighborhoods uh, like Humboldt Park? That's where uh, this particular measure was uh, earmarked. Or around the uh, Obama Library. In the past, the city has done absolutely nothing uh, to prevent gentrification. Uh, quite the contrary, the city has uh, done what it can to spark gentrification and to keep it going by subsidizing deals, uh, housing deals like Lincoln Yards. Lincoln Yards was like uh, uh, is uh, fuels gentrification. You're pumping public dollars into private ventures that will just cause property taxes to rise. And so it's the exact opposite of putting the brakes on gentrification. So uh, the city is very slow to deal with the issue of gentrification. By and large, the, the prevailing wisdom of the people who run this city is that gentrification is a good thing. So now suddenly they're kind of changing their tone a little bit, their tune a little bit. 
Um, and uh, yesterday's measure was just like a, a like a little step in the direction of dealing with this issue. All right, moving on, everybody. It is primary election season in Illinois. And hey, if you want to feel like a broke ass, keep it right here <laughs> because right now the numbers are in. The numbers are in my face. It is time. Fourth quarter election campaign finance numbers are in. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> campaign cash reports have come ding, out. Ding. What, what is that? That was the ding, ding of the cash register. Guys, that was the ding, ding of the cash register <laughs> for those listening. I was wondering what that was. One more time. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, my God. Is there a cash register here? I know. It's the, it's the fourth quarter. Holy Red cow. Set, 2020. Okay. Oh, wrong no. sport. Yeah, yeah. No sports references. Okay. All right. Fourth quarter election campaign finance numbers are in in Illinois. Campaign cash reports have come out and my god illinois house speaker michael joseph madigan has a bunch of it <laughs> big surprise there the latest quarterly report from the state board of elections show the total cash raised and the total cash on hand for four madigan controlled campaigns let's go through all four of them and people i highly suggest not looking at your bank account while we do this we want you to have a good day all right? we don't want to bad we don't want to bum you out all right so let's go ahead and start this here Beginning with Friends of Michael J. Madigan. All right, that's one. Total raised $5,311,802.27. Who let Bernie in the room? (laughs) Cash on hand, $11,461,542.39. Wow, see, he's raising money. Still has uh, money that's unspent. <laughs> He's got eleven million. It's just pouring in. Good God! So that was one of them. Friends of Michael J. Madden. Really rich friends. He's got there. All right. On to the next one. The Democratic Party of mm. Illinois. Yeah. Okay. Amount raised: one million five hundred eighty-seven thousand twenty-nine dollars and twenty-one cents. Mm-hmm. Total cash on hand for the Democratic Party of Illinois, $2,168,795.55. All right. Thoughts on that? Well, same thing as the first thought. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I have a lot of... I want to hear where you're going with this, and then I'm going to give you all my thoughts. Let's continue. Up next... It's the 13th Ward Democratic uh, Organization. Okay, he's the committeeman in the 13th Ward. Amount raised, not uh, in the millions. Mm-hmm. $656,385. Okay, huh. Yeah. Cash on hand, $2 million. Ah. All right. So he has his own personal fundraising uh, uh, operation, the Mike Friends of Michael Madigan. Then he has he's the head of the uh, Illinois Democratic Party. So he controls that uh, fundraising uh, uh, fund. And now he has he's the committeeman, the Democratic committee of the 13th Ward. So he oversees that fund. And what's the fourth one? D? The fourth one it says Democratic majority. Nine hundred eighty-three thousand nine hundred thirty-six dollars and seventy-one cents raised. Cash on hand. Five million. Wait, five. Yeah, five, five million. million. It's not billion. I was gonna say, huh? No, it's million to, with an M. I went to community college, guys. <laughs> but you know the difference between an M and a B. Five million <laughs> five hundred sixty-nine dollars 
and fifteen cents. I believe they cover that in uh, in, in some of the classes at uh, community college. The difference between an M and a B. Uh, D. MBD. Listen, here's the deal. I'm all over the map on this one. The yeah, I don't inter- think you need to say that anymore for anything the, on the show. The inner reformer in me is outraged. Outraged, I tell you, that that uh, the suckers and saps in this town just keep throwing more money at Michael Joseph Madigan. On the other hand, uh, Miles Conflassen has entered his, uh, the building. Miles Conflassen has entered the building. Love to hear his thoughts on this. On the other hand, the Republicans are raising money, tremendous gobs of money, too. So should I, as my inner reformer, say, no, 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 Michael Joseph Madigan, raise no more money while the Republicans continue to raise money? Donald John Trump is just, I think he's, I forget how many millions he's raised uh, in just the last quarter alone. I know it dwarfs the, anything the Democrats have. Uh, so, okay, Michael Joseph Madigan, stop raising money. People stop giving money to Michael Joseph Madigan. When the Republicans stop raising money, when people stop giving money to the Republicans, same thing as the fair maps. It's like all the reformers in Illinois, oh, this is just outrageous that Michael Magnin is raising all this money. Oh, yeah? Where's your outrage about the Republicans? See, that's my problem, D. The way the system is set up, it's just too much money in the system, and it leads to all kinds of corruption. Uh, but that's the system. So if you just want to roll over and let Republicans win then, yeah, beat up on Michael Joseph Madigan. That said, the issue that Adolfo Mondragon raises is one uh, which Chicago, there was, uh, your, that study that you're, those, uh, those numbers you're reading from Rich Miller, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rich had a link, uh, Rich Miller, outstanding a journalist. What up, uh, Rich? Uh, had a link to a Chicago Tribune story that talks about how Michael Madigan has spent over $400,000 of very legal fees. So I don't know how that's legal. You know what I'm saying? You're Where's raising- Jim Coogan when you need him? Well, huh? <laughs> Jim Coogan or Adolfo Mandragon uh, can weigh in on this stuff. So listen, if we're going to clean up politics, if we're going to take out take money out of politics, it's got to be across the board. It can't just be oh we condemn Michael Joseph Madigan when the Democrats do it and look the other way when Donald Trump does it. And that's what too many of my friends of the Republican persuasion do in this town. They, when it comes to reform, they only get outraged when Democrats uh, engage in uh, sleazy practices. They have nothing to say when Republicans do it. So when we can have a bipartisan effort to take money out of politics, I will jump aboard it. But right now, all it looks as though is Republicans pretending they're reformers, getting outraged when Michael Joseph Madigan raises money from all the suckers and saps in town who pony up, and then, then they look the other way when Donald John Trump does. That's, that's, that's my thought, D. There you go. That's my thought on that one. I yes, don't believe that's anything. A with a B. I don't believe anything with the word reform in it when it comes in Illinois, because generally, we'll see what Miles has to say after we take the break, bring him on. Generally, when reform is uttered in the state of Illinois, it means taking something from someone and giving it to someone else. And in this particular case, when they talk about campaign finance reform, they want to take power from the Democrats and give it to Republicans. Meanwhile, uh, producer Dennis looks at his own bank account. and look. $36. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> Great. <laughs> hey, everybody, what you're about to hear are the piano stylings of Jeff Manuel. 
man, listen to Jeff go. Jeff Manuel has been playing piano around Chicago for years. He's played for conventions, for celebrities, played in basement bars with blues bands. He's played at prestigious social clubs, fine restaurants, and in the intimacy of private homes. Book Jeff Manuel at jeffemanuelpianist.com. Don't worry, I'll spell his name at the end of this commercial. You know what Chicago Magazine said? They said that Jeff Manuel is, quote, as comfortable with Chopin as he is with Cole Porter. He's excellent, and his performance is joyous. He offers an elegant stream of compositions and interpretations that entertains the mind but won't hurt the ears. To hear more of Jeff Manuel's work and to book Jeff for your next event, go to jeffmanuelpianist.com. I'm going to spell it out for you, people. J-E-F-F. M as in Mary, A, N as in Nancy, U-E-L-P-I-A-N-I-S-T dot com. Take it away, Jeff Manuel. Hey everyone, how's it going? For the fourth and final time this week, let's find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon. Actually, before we do that, Ben, I think all of our listeners, those who listen live and those who download, I think we'd like to hear those noises you were making at the top of the program. Can we hear the song of the day one more time? Oh, uh, uh, Archie Bell and Darrell's yeah. from Houston. First we got a dance in Houston called the Tighten Up. <laughs> I just heard that, uh, Tighten Up. That's one of my favorite songs from the 60s. Uh, again, long before anybody in this studio was born. And I'll tell you what, who knows the Tighten Up? Uh, Miles Porter's father knows the Tighten Up, that's for sure. Uh, maybe Miles Porter's mother knows it as well. Yeah, Tighten Up is the 60 songs, Archie Bell and Drells. So do you want me to sing more of the Tighten Up? Please, no. Okay. All right. <laughs> Here we go. Can I just say one thing? In what? Houston, we got a new dance, and we call it the Tighten oh, Up. Oh, <laughs> hey now. No one cares. Okay, first up, our Illinois governor. After years of neglect, Illinois is finally getting its mojo hmm. back. Today, J.B. Pritzker is doing what he always does. All together, everyone. You too, Ben. Signing legislation. Uh, yeah, I saw this, yeah. Today he's at UCAN, uh, U-C-A-N, signing legislation that will eliminate driver's license suspensions as a penalty for non-moving violations. For those wondering, UCAN, U-C-A-N, is in Chicago. So once again, to our downstate, not a city listeners, no, you did not see J.B. Pritzker at your local Wendy's <laughs> just now. It wasn't him. It's just some other... Well-dressed portly fella enjoying a delicious baked potato, all right? <laughs> Sorry. A little advertisement for Wendy's there, huh? <laughs> I, I thought you were a Popeye's man. I'll take it all, buddy, okay. all right? And he loves Arby's, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Every time we go by the Arby's downtown, God, God I gotta stop in that Arby's. It's so good. <laughs> I actually do say that. All right, big day on Sunday statewide. We haven't discussed this in a while, Ben. Time for a little update here. On Sunday, Democratic state senators who hold the majority ah. will gather in Springfield to decide who will be their next president. I know, during football playoffs. What? That's crazy. I know, man. Remember, everyone, it was late last year when Democratic Senate President John Cullerton announced that he would be retiring in 2020. A handful of qualified senators got in line and have been campaigning to replace him ever since. Honestly, can't remember how many and who all of them were. Doesn't matter because we're now down to two. Mm-hmm. After Senate, uh, Senator L.G. Sims officially dropping out of the race, it's now Don Harmon, the assistant majority leader from Oak Park, and Senator Kimberly, no, not Lightfoot, Light Ford, mm-hmm. Kimberly Light Ford, 
going one-on-one for Illinois Senate president. You know what? I think this is better than football, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we going with, buddy? We going with Kim Lightford or are we going Don Harmon? Well, if you ask me, if I pretend I'm a state senator, I would vote for uh, Kimberly Lightford. Going Lightford? Yeah, Lightford. Even though I have this thing in my head, I keep wanting to call her uh, Lightfoot. But it's Lightford. Okay, that dyslexia is firing up on all cylinders, light forward, light foot. Uh, but no, come on. Uh, we just had a, a white guy, Johnny Cullerton. Why don't we let a black woman be this uh, Senate president for once? Uh, you know, let's spread it around a little bit. Yeah, I'm for uh, Kimberly Lightford. And, uh, I, I don't know. Realistically, uh, will this be more progressive legislation out of the Senate? We'll have to wait and see on that one. Uh, Johnny Cullerton was not exactly a progressive, to put it mildly. He was sort of Rahm's uh, favorite state senator. His job, by and large, was to block progressive legislation that people in the city of Chicago wanted that Mayor Rahm didn't want. Um, That and the fact that, I'll tell you what, he could tell a joke. John Cullerton can tell a joke, all right? Oh, hey. So, yeah, so if that is your chief qualification, he's your guy. Uh, so I'm hoping that uh, we'll switch things in the state Senate and the Senate will no longer be the place where they just, you know, send uh, legislation to die. You know, that old game they play, like Michael Madigan would allow legislation to pass the House, uh, like, let's say, the elected school board bill, and then it would die in the Senate. And everybody in Chicago would be like, what happened here? I thought... I thought we had this legislation passed. And then the next year they would try it again. And yep, one more time, die in the House. I mean, pass the House, die in the Senate. Yeah, that's how it goes in the state of Illinois. Progressives, you know, everybody wants to be a progressive, but when it comes to progressing progressive, not so progressive, if you follow what I'm saying. So maybe this will change in the state Senate. All right, so there you are. Ben's going with Lightford. We're going to have to wait until Sunday to know who the next Senate president will be, and we'll have to wait until Tuesday to talk about it. But Yes, and uh, I've been reading about the selection process. It's pretty interesting. I've never followed a Senate uh, president selection process, but, you know, they get to... Everybody gets to vote. Republicans get to vote, too. I don't know about that. Why do they get to vote? You know, they're the minority party. Oh, isn't that interesting when it comes to minority rights? Uh, Republicans are against them for, like, real minorities, but when they're in the minority party, hey, we got rights too. Just pointing out that, that inconsistency with my uh, not-so-beloved Republican Party. Oh, and hey, to all of our uh, Illinois senators out there, I know you're all getting together on Sunday, your day off. No shady business, all right? No, no. You know, by the way, I just realized uh, with my track record, I probably was the, <laughs> the I sealed doom for Lightford by endorsing her candidacy. For well, person. I don't know. You, you voted Lightfoot and she won. That is correct. You had I, a good record going. I lately. voted. I voted uh, <laughs> Lightfoot, and she won. And then she promptly uh, flip flopped on that Tiff deal. But you know what, D? I'm going to be a positive. Okay. Yes, she flip flopped on Lincoln Yards. Yes, she killed the lawsuit that would have killed Lincoln Yards. But her planning commissioner Maurice Cox came into this. It must be this room, D. It must be something about this room with the sign on the wall and, you know, your presence sitting there. And it's like, oh, I feel my inner Ben Jarofsky. Because Lori Lightfoot, when she was in, when when uh, when she was in here, she was like talking like me, too. So it must be something about this room. Something. Yeah. Then, of course, they leave the room and oh, thank God I'm done with that room. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see if uh, Maurice Cox uh, is a. Uh, you know, as a progressive outside of this room as he is in this room. But seriously, Senators, don't go placing your bets on who's going to win, Lightford or Don Harmon. No shady business. 
And speaking of shady business, the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Fran the Woe Man Spielman. Embattled Illinois House Speaker Michael Madigan's hand-picked alderman was accused Thursday of engaging in, quote, prohibited political activity by putting his name and Madigan's on a graffiti blaster bought in 2013 with taxpayer money. Yes, this is an update on that damn dirty corruption in Illinois. Mm-hmm. Marty Quinn. Inspector General Joe Ferguson's quarterly report does not identify Alderman Marty Quinn. Ben, of what ward? Third. Come on! One, three. That's correct. Thank you. Our host, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) He knows the city council, all right? (laughs) Inspector General Joe Ferguson's quarterly report does not identify Alderman Marty Quinn as the alderman who used city equipment to promote himself and his political patron and used a photo of the equipment in a political ad featuring himself Mm -hmm. and his state representative. It simply accused, quote, an alderman of playing politics with city equipment and of knowingly allowing, quote, a non-city employee to use the city-owned graffiti blaster throughout the state throughout the state representative's district, which extends outside the city limits. Ben, what the hell or would I just read here? <sighs> Am I outraged about this? Um, all right, so folks, you get graffiti blasters going throughout the uh, 13th Ward on the far southwest side of Chicago, and it has Madigan's name on it, and it has uh, Alderman Marty Quinn's name on it. So effectively, they're using a public thing, a graffiti blaster, to promote a private politician an alderman a state rep is that right no and oh okay it's not right it's not pointing at me. <laughs> uh i just say uh, i don't know the things that people get outraged uh, in the city of chicago but i just got finished talking about how you had this program an anti-poverty program that's intended for the poorest neighborhoods of all and the city council's passed a 1.3 billion that's billion with a b handout to some upscale developers to de- to develop a neighborhood that doesn't need development and everybody's like oh well seems good to me we call it economic development but the reformers in chicago are outraged shocked and outraged that michael madigan and marty quinn put their names on a graffiti blaster i would say that reformers in the city of chicago will do absolutely anything to avoid the essential corruption in this city which is like the rich take money that's supposed to go to the poor. That's just me thinking about it. But I'm, oh no, I'm going to join their bandwagon. I'm outraged. Tell you that Marty Quinn put his name on a graffiti blaster. I th- but I'm, I'm more outraged that Marty Quinn put his vote on that TIF deal. How about that, D? Take so, a chill pill, man. Oh, sorry, chill man. out, dude. Hold on. Oh, it's legal now, D. <laughs> so, no, am I outraged, you know? And by the way, it's funny how they just keep going. Marty Quinn, Madigan's handpicked older man. You know, like, they just like Madigan. They, they just want to put Madigan's name. You talk about Madigan putting his name on a graffiti blaster. Everybody wants to put Madigan's name on any story. Madigan's handpicked older man. Well, the voters of the 13th Ward have elected him, I think, Two times, D? I think it was the last election was this overwhelming victory. Uh, he beat the kid. What was the kid's name, D? You remember that? Oh, my goodness. I'm not Come on, you up. can do it. I can't remember. I don't even have to look it up because I remember. Oh. The old guy with the memory. All right. right. All right. David Krupa, was it? K-R-U-P-A? Yeah, that was it. That was Maybe it's the guy who was like, he loved Correct. Trump, the Trump supporter. I'm supposed to be outraged by the Trump supporter. Anyway, Marty Quinn uh, went overboard to try to uh, get Krupa off the ballot. And uh, he prevailed. He was on the ballot, and then Marty uh, mopped the floor with him anyway. So I I got this thing, but can I just continue since I'm on a really on a roll here? Thank you. Um, Who is this host? (laughs) When I'm driving down Ashland in the rare moments, well, not that rare. uh, I try to 
you know, Dee likes to drive the car home, so I try to drive every now and then. Uh, I go past these uh, horses. Isn't that what they're called, Dee? The old horses, you know? Not the, like the animal? No, not like the kind of horse that J.B. Pritzker puts on a farm. Okay. But the ho- wooden horses. I'm not a perfect person. <laughs> and they still say uh, they're horses. You know, the wooden horses that you put in the street to block traffic? Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Aren't they called horses? I don't, I don't know. Come on, man. You're from Alton. You should know this kind of stuff. Uh, and it's still set. I know about actual horses. <laughs> uh, the man loves horses, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Have you ever ridden a horse? Yes. I, I, I've tried it a couple times. I'm not feeling a horse. You know, it's always, I don't know, something weird about going up and down. Anyway, uh, it still says, um, a courtesy of First Ward Alderman Flores. Uh, Manny Flores hasn't been the alderman of the First Ward since I want to say... 2011 don't quote me on that i'm not uh, okay uh and uh for 10 trivia points who replaced him as alderman of the first ward mm-hmm. yeah joe moreno very good <laughs> whoa it's some of this stuff is wearing off on you anyway it's still you see these horses you know uh property or courtesy of and i remember terry gabinski in the 32nd ward had his horses you still see some of those floating around where was the outrage about that huh when manny flores put his name on a horse so no listen someone someone probably just tuned in floating horses what the all right so listen reformers in the city of chicago all you do-gooders on the lakefront who uh, love pete Buttigieg and amy klobuchar so much i'll join your crusade against uh mike madigan putting his name in a graffiti blaster when you once just once join my crusade against doling out billions of dollars uh to high price developers huh what's that you say uh lakefront reformers eh. Yeah, you're too outraged about the graffiti blaster. Moving on, as for our Chicago mayor, today Lori Lightfoot is at the Marriott Marquis for Chicago's annual interfaith breakfast in honor of Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, uh, once a year, uh, Chicagoans decide they believe in peace and love and harmony uh, and integration. Once a year, D. Uh, not even like a, In the beginning it, of the year. Uh, it's the beginning of the year, and it's like an hour. Then, whoosh, as soon as that's over, uh, we're back to fighting and gouging each other's eyes out. Yeah, rumor has it she tried talking them into making this a little more productive by pushing it up a few hours and having them a good old-fashioned luncheon. But the Marriott simply didn't get it. She loves luncheons, everybody. (laughs) Don't they understand? The mayor loves luncheons. You watch. This being Chicago next year, uh, we're going to have a Martin Luther King luncheon. No, they do it early. It's like all the movers and shakers. They get it done early. You know, They want to get all that brotherhood out of the way early. So, you know, I got that done with. Now I got the rest of the day to just gouge everybody's eyeballs out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented... They'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. 